Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to To The Table, where two people give one another a movie and uh, literally bring a movie to the table. With me, I have creator Peter Martinez. How are you doing? You butchered that description, but okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Kyle Lira, and today we uh, Peter gave me a walk hard uh, Dewey Cox story. And then uh, I, in keeping up with the theme of, uh, of rock and all that stuff, I gave him documentary of uh, Metallica, some kind of monster. And uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I definitely want to, because you, you've always seen Metallica as a band, but I, you never see them as like people. And so uh, it was definitely interesting to see, which we'll get to in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to go first. All right. I can I want to go first this time. I, so, Peter, mm-hmm. why did you give me a walk hard? Um, I think it's a rather underrated comedy. I remember it came out and it kind of went out uh, under the radar. And it was kind of forgotten. But it's, I think it's just genuinely funny. And I think it does a really good job of satirizing the the so-called music biopic and a lot of like uh, musical films that have come out over the years depicting different bands and singers like Ray or or um, what's it called Walk, Walk the, line. the Line and it's I think it just does such a good job of, of making fun of the cliches and and the filmmaking aspects of it. Uh, I love it. I love it. And uh, you as someone who's uh, apparently enjoys music, I, I think, uh, I thought you might get a kick out of it. I'll put it that way. So, yeah. I hated it. You hated it? Okay. I hated it. Okay. okay. Let me tell you why. I think that uh, John C. Riley, his uh, his bit died within the first two minutes of the movie, and I think no, I'm I'm full of I'm, I'm full of shit. I, oh, I, I, actually, I actually love the movie. I actually love the movie. It had a lot of things. It was like there were so many over the top sequences that I couldn't help but like enjoy the bizarreness of it all. Uh, I love uh, Tim Meadows' uh, little shtick, where every time that something traumatic happens to uh, to Dewey Cox, I love how he goes into like the bathroom or uh, or with uh, with Tim Meadows with a bunch of hookers and stuff you like that. You don't want none of this. You shit. don't want none of this shit. <laughs> I love. It. And then it was like it first started off from like weed uh, to cocaine to like straight up meth and pills. I, I just love that little transition. That was an amazing little side side gag. Um, also, it's like the the decline of like uh, your pathway to drugs in mm-hmm. in your uh, in your biopics. Um, John C. Riley, uh, he's amazing. At, he's Johnny Cash, <laughs> basically. He's, he's yeah. Johnny. He's Johnny Cash, and uh, the way that he plays Johnny Cash, I'm not going to call him Dewey Cox. Is he's playing Johnny Cash? It's Dewey Cox. <laughs> um, he, I, I think he did fantastic. I think that the, like the, the, the instant success that he had, <laughs> the way that they always play it off in the biopics, like the way that he comes up with songs, <laughs> like, like people will mention just a word and he'll be like, walk, walk hard. hard walk hard and he'll just look up (laughs) (laughs) and then cinematic fade into uh, him in the recording studio uh, making that song Um, I the way he has his parents and his his dad that never believed in him You'll never be nothing. The wrong kid died. The wrong kid died. And I love how it was like completely like bombastic the way that uh, he killed his brother with the machete. Uh, And that was uh, that was also a really, uh, really funny scene. Uh, Because it's like parodying uh, what happened in Ray. Yeah, where his his brother drowned. drowned. (laughs) It was very much of a parody like that. Um, and he still kept talking, even though like half of his body was off. And he was like, "You killed me with a machete." 
I love that. Um, I like I like the passive aggressiveness of Kristen Wiig's character as like the original uh, the, uh, the, the first wife. She played uh, Jennifer Goodwin's character in a in a Walk the Line. Yeah, and uh, she's like, "You're never gonna make it. Your dreams yeah. are not gonna come true." Meanwhile, she has like a busload of kids <laughs> that they had, and and the number of kids kept on increasing throughout the movie, and uh, I find that amazing. I love at the end when he's playing ball with him, and there was like that tall Asian kid. He's like, "Are you sure you're mine?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> like they don't look like Kristen Wiggs and uh, and uh, just random, just random. Like they like different races, and it was like we uh, we are the children kind of thing. Uh, I love that, and then. Uh, a lot of cameos, of course, sprinkled around. Like, uh, yeah, Jane Lynch in there. She clearly did not give a fuck about uh, about uh, what she was interviewing. It's it's kind of like a pseudo Barbara Walters kind of interview. Yeah, and I love it. and that was really funny. Uh, Jack McBrayer had one scene at one point. You just had like a lot of people. Okay, the part that I was like, I love this film was when he went to I think like Abu Dhabi or India or something like that. And and he did meditation with the Beatles. That scene, I was like, just, just the, okay. The casting of the Beatles is so out there and I so knew fantastic. You like that, uh, uh, Jack Black plays Paul McCartney, <laughs> and just, and uh, and Paul Rudd plays John Lennon, and just the way that uh, all these other. Uh, Beatles, and then they went into straight up the cover of uh, Yellow Submarine, and they did LSD, and they did LSD, and that LSD <laughs> scene. And is it is it just me, or does like the animated version of uh, Dewey Cox look like Wreck It Ralph? It does. <laughs> I, I saw that. I'm like, this. Oh, so they were right. It does look like uh, it does look like uh, John C. Riley. Uh, I I just a lot of things. I really like. Jenna Fisher. Mm-hmm. Her her character was like like the Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. of the movie, and uh, she was like the way that she would like refuse him because of like their conservative nature. That that was also a really nice little. Uh, Did you little, like the double entendre of their duet? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do. It. Uh, that right there was really good. I hope it, that you'll be blowing me. Some kisses. <laughs> Blowing me. Some kisses. Like, there's just, there's little shit throughout the movie that I think just, because they have a lot of really funny people, mm-hmm. but then also, the, I think they just do such a great job of making fun of the cliched nature of, like, the rise of stars, and then they mm-hmm. fall. And then, like, the experimental period. Yeah, the experimental period. I, I just want to put down, I love the fact that Buddy Holly was played by Frankie Muniz. Yeah, Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Perfect. And then uh, Jack White did his over-the-top uh, Elvis impression. <laughs> that was also pretty cool. Um, it's just a really... Really well made, and the songs, the, the songs, songs are, are really good. The you can are, actually sing. Yeah, don't see Riley, and uh, and it and it shows. It shows what he does and the songs that he would write. Um, I I loved when he went into like his experimental phase, and uh, and went full on like Bob Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> and started talking like nonsense, nonsensical uh, political bullshit. And and do you remember it, uh, when he was doing his album and he said like this is going to be the greatest album of all time. And he had, like, different, like, vocalists and then someone with a horse that would make noises. And he yeah. had, like, Bill and It kind of reminded me of the movie you made me watch. Um, oh, Love and Mercy? Love and Mercy. Oh, like, okay, because that right there, I could definitely tell that they ripped off from uh, the pro- uh, of Brian Wilson's uh, uh, way of, uh, of producing music mm-hmm. and using, like, nonsense. Like, he'll use, like, coat hangers and shit like that to, to make that one beat. Uh, and then just like a non non orthodox way of of recording, and that right there is also really a, a really nice uh, way of doing it. Except Dewey Cox, it sounds like shit. It just sounds like random <laughs> shit being banged out. Uh, did, you, did you watch past the credits? Uh, what do you? What scene was past the credits? 
this is why when I saw this because I didn't see this the first time I saw it but after I had it was on TV and then eventually it showed this part Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god I love this film and it was um, you know how after the the biopics they show uh, oh you know the oh what happened what happened the real life footage of uh, Ray Charles they show the real picture of it and it's John C. Riley in like makeup make, to make old him makeup. Look okay, okay, I definitely saw that the old makeup, and he's like doing the last performance, and he said he died too. No, 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 not that. Not that one. No, this is past the entire credits. Okay, remind me what happened because I saw this like three weeks ago. <laughs> it's it's um because you know like it like at the end of Bree Charles or or Walk the Line. Uh-huh. They'll, they'll show real life footage of the real person mm-hmm. and like them playing somewhere and picture of them. Um, and so they had John C. Riley in, in makeup just to look, make him look different. And they, and they showed him playing in like this black and white um, video in, in his studio. And it says um, the real life footage of Dewey Cox. It like just that little that little nugget, I, I thought was just so funny, and the, the, the way they satirize that. Because like it at the end of um, Love and Mercy, like the didn't they show the real life guy? Uh, yeah, it showed uh, it showed Brian Wilson actually performing the song yes. Love and Mercy. Uh, That's and- what they did with um, with Dewey Cox. They pretended, oh, this was a real life biopic, and this is the real life. Um, Dewey Cox playing at the end, like just that level of authenticity, yeah, is is, is great. But, uh, but also with him at old makeup, he died right after this. Is <laughs> that that right there, I was like, okay, that's where his his career ended. So he really saw like the whole thing. I love how like his I love his character introduction. It was uh, the one of the stage managers came yeah, downstairs and he's like Dewey perfect. Cox. Dewey Cox, what are you doing? And then Tim Meadows comes in, which I'll get to Tim Meadows. What, one of my favorite uh, sight gags. It's horrible and fucked up, <laughs> but it's great. Uh, I love uh, I love the scene where you have uh, you have the stagehand going down downstairs into like the and in, into like the loading room. Yeah, and then uh, and then you have uh, you have uh, Dewey Cox contemplating life. That's exactly how Walk the Line started. Because <laughs> he's like, hold on. He needs to contemplate his entire life before he goes on stage. And then it just <laughs> flashes, flashes backwards. I like how Jonah Hill plays like older. older his, his brother. His brother, but like older version. Um, and I like how like the mom was like, oh, he. Oh, my, one of my favorite things was like, because all these like, all these incredible like uh, artists have some sort of like the uh, disability you know like oh, yeah. like ray ray charles <laughs> and he can't see uh dewey cox can't smell yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault he can't <laughs> smell <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, like all of a sudden, he could smell I again. Can smell. Oh, like, he and he's like smelling like a pile of shit. Yeah. And then he's like, it smells like shit because it is shit. <laughs> um, also, I love the the visual. Speaking of Tim, going back to Tim Meadows, mm-hmm. I love the sight gag of uh, him finally having a baby, but it, ha- it has like shaken baby syndrome. <laughs> As like a, it's a meth baby. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, because he finally had a kid, and the kid is all like the he uh, Dewey Cox was holding the baby, and it was all shaking because it's a meth baby. Oh my god, that's it's terrible. A, it's a I never, meth. I never. Oh, I have to rewatch it. I it's never a meth baby. <laughs> it's fucked up, but I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, oh jeez, <laughs> they went there. Like on, I don't remember that. I need, I need to rewatch it. That is kind of fucked up. <laughs> but I, I just love how it has like all those little nuggets out of real life. It's almost not out of real life like uh, performers, but the real life films about them. Like, yeah, like it even had that uh, one trashing scene. Because a lot of these films always have one scene where they trash 
an apartment or they trash something because they're just so, mm-hmm. so angry. And it's towards the end where he's trashing his house and he's just throwing shit. And then at the end, they, he takes out a chainsaw and he starts. No, he so, takes out a, a regular saw so, and he saws. And he starts so, sawing the sofa, and it like takes like three days yeah. just to saw one sofa. Um, that right there is good. I like how like you see like the quote unquote rock star life, and like uh, the this guy you don't see the upper torso, but you just see his penis. Oh, and it's like that's just what that's what this the stupid the stupider jokes in the movie like that's just his it's stupid but it's just like it's constantly in frame like hey you want a cigarette it's, it's just ridiculous like it's always in frame um just but one of those visual gags that was amazing what I love is right connected to that scene is when his dad comes and tells about his mom dies and in the whole the whole idea of like well I think I've been tough on Dewey his whole life you know I think I need to ease up on him. And then immediately she falls out the window and dies. <laughs> and he's like, killed your mama. <laughs> the wrong son died. <laughs> I love, he, he's a, he's a great Robert Patrick replacement. And, uh, then, and then immediately he goes to the bathroom. Get out of here, dude. You don't want none of this shit. <laughs> they don't make you feel good. <laughs> he's like, give it to me. Give <laughs> it to me. And he would do all that shit. I like the, of course, all, uh, almost all biopics show the rehab sequence. Yeah. And I like how he's like tripping balls in rehab mm-hmm. and, uh, you have the rehab thing and they're like, like the way that they're, uh, conducting like their, uh, their procedures, it's, it's very outlandish and very yeah. over the top and it's just a really over the top parody mm-hmm. on uh, on all these uh, biopics and uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge sucker for, for uh, biopics mm-hmm. um, and uh, this definitely like I saw a lot of tropes from all kinds. I, I think it's it's just an amazing parody of the, the musical biopic and, and I in order like I think a good parody not only do you have to be funny but you, you have to really understand what you're parodying yeah. And I think the, through the little things that it does, you can really tell that, that it understands and it even has an affection for not just the parody movie, but the the artist mm-hmm. itself. And I just like, think it's hilarious. And also cinematography-wise, like the color grading was the same as Walk the Line. Yeah. It's very similar to that. I like how in the beginning of the movie, like towards the beginning, kid Dewey Cox, like after he killed his brother, he went to like, I think like a bar or something like that. And he found a bunch of blues musicians and all of a sudden he picked up the guitar, not knowing how to play guitar, but all of a sudden becoming a master at it. It's like he was chosen, like, because that's the way they always play Like, oh, they were, it's like, they play the musicians as if they were chosen to become yeah. this great thing. And it is just, it's, it's so funny, especially... When they show him throughout the ages, it's just John C. Riley, like at fifteen. At, I love, <laughs> I love that at age four. It's kind of like, kind of like uh, what a uh, like Joaquin Phoenix in a uh, Walk the Line, also because yeah. <laughs> he was like twenty one when he's clearly uh, he's like he's clearly in his forty or forty years. Uh, but you, he's constantly saying his age. I'm twenty one years old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, just that little thing. And he's 14. <laughs> and what's, what's even and funnier. And he ran off with the, tw- the his girlfriend who's 12. 12. And then they had like five kids before he was 17 or something. Yeah. And he was like, like doing like sweeping, uh, sweeping some sort of like exotic, erotic, uh, blues bar. Yeah. And, uh, no, sir, I don't know nothing. And then he picks up the Oh, yeah, because in, in that scene, he's like, we need someone to play tonight. Yeah. And then that's his big break. And then right when he goes and plays, he's like, the talent agency is here. Just randomly, the I, talent agency. I have I have expected to hear, see, uh, see uh, uh, Chuck Berry's uh, cousin go off in the corner and go off yeah. to the phone. <laughs> you know that new stand you're looking for, Chuck? Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Marty McFly is playing Johnny B. Good. Um, it's a, which, by the way, one of the most amazing sequences ever put to film. <laughs> that's not even, uh, what's his name? Play, no, singing. It's not him singing, but that's, ac- but that's actually him playing. I believe that. That's but actually you, you him can playing. tell that's not his voice. Go, Johnny. Go, go, go. I... Uh, on a on a on a on a sidetrack note, uh, there is like a re- there was a Coldplay did a uh, did a performance like I think it was like two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, he they they Coldplay covered Johnny Be Good, but then they're like this ladies gentlemen from one of my childhood favorites, uh, Michael J. Fox, and oh, my, he came out and Michael played. J. Fox came out with uh, with uh, Chris Martin, and they and they played Johnny Be Good. And that was amazing. And he could still do that. Like he, they did. Uh, they did the solo. Mm-hmm. They did. They got to the solo, and they let Michael J. He Fox do it. And you know, despite what he has with them, uh, he was still good. Like he was still on key. All the notes were good. So I think that. I think that was amazing. That was an amazing moment. Uh, putting on a sidetrack. Michael, to Michael the, J. Fox <laughs> is awesome. Michael J. Yeah. Fox is awesome. Uh, anyway, going back to Dewey Cox, uh, it was just a. Uh, brilliantly well-made parody satire movie on the whole day i love even the poster itself is a parody on uh, on the doors yeah and, and I, I i love that like it had a instead of like van morrison it was mm-hmm. uh, it's dewey cox and it's just like that famous famous photo of uh, van morrison but it's just like dewey cox dewey cox, and, dewey cox story and uh, all the all the character, all the actors did really good. It, it's it, to me, it's kind of a little gem of a movie because it's it it has a lot of very funny people that were they were funny at that time, but it also has a lot of people who are kind of unknown that are funny. It, it kind of reminds me of Arrested Development. It's like oh my god, they had that person. And they yeah. Had that person. And and also, I'm really surprised at how much it kind of flew out, of, out under the radar at the time. Like it came out, and it's like okay, and then and it was relative. It was relatively relevant yeah. <laughs> at the at the time, and because really, really was because that came that, the movie was 2007, mm-hmm. and uh, Walk the Line came out in 2006. Yeah, it was so right it was after. like right after that, and how attention, how much attention they spent on detail was was incredible you know and uh and of course you know you're looking at all the all the people like jack mcbrayer we know who jack mcbrayer is we know who paul rudd is of course um we, i also love how they was like paul rudd i'm paul mccartney like he just kept saying it no, i'm john lennon i'm john lennon they, all of them would kept saying who they were <laughs> <laughs> he's like of, co- star. of course i would know because i'm paul mccartney I'm paul mccartney <laughs> Well, me being George Harrison, George, I would I, <laughs> I would say that me as George Harrison would agree with you. <laughs> Just stupid, but is, it's, is, it's brilliant. Is it because I you if if you guys know who listen, I have a very stupid sense of humor. I, I like stupid comedies. Well, clearly it, you you hold Wet Hot American Summer as like. Right. Many people do. Many people do. It would not have its two of its own Netflix seasons it, okay. if it did not. Okay. If many people did not feel. I do it. say this. Wet Hot American Summer has its moments. Okay, thank you. It has you its have moments. to admit that. I personally find it very funny. But oh, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> this this has a, a good mix of that stupid humor mm-hmm. that especially John C. Riley and um, who is is not in it. What's his name? His, the one he always does movies with. Um, Will Ferrell? Yeah. It has that kind of sense of humor, but then it also has that... It, coupled with that, it has really great um, parody I just, comedy moments. I just want to say that Blades of Glory did Itania before Itania was Itania. <laughs> what do you... Uh, uh, That's side, another one. Sidestepping, what do you think of Blades of Glory? I, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember just finding it hilarious. I like uh, a lot of I like a lot of movies. People would be like, "Oh, that's so terrible comedy movie." I'm like, "No, it's just stupid and it's funny." I love how like they kept on confusing John Heater's character as a girl. <laughs> the whole thing. I, I love when they do that super crazy um, move, and they're yeah, like, the, like um, I took it to the one place crazy enough to do it. 
North Korea. And Will Ferrell's just like, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Just like... I don't know. Just stupid, and you and you would expect that from John Heater and uh, and uh, Will Ferrell, and he was off. John Heater was off the cusp of uh, Napoleon Dynamite at the time. Yeah, that was at the height of John Heater. Yeah. So now he's gone. (laughs) Oh no! But never forgotten. (laughs) Like Napoleon Dynamite's another one I like. Napoleon, I think Napoleon Dynamite has got to be in the top tier of top 10 comedies of all time top 10 really top 10 yeah just because how, how comedy is comedy is difficult because it's so subjective yeah like everyone says film is subjective comedy i think you can take that and times it a hundred yeah because oh. dramatic because dra- it's easy to do drama it's easy to do like a tier uh, a tearjerker movie but it's i also, I also think that. it's easy to have a discussion on like why one drama is bad and one drama is good I think you can have that with comedy, but it's harder because it comes down to because they, I found it funny. I yeah. didn't. Well, okay, you know, okay. that's it's kind like, of where it starts and ends. Prime example: Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, <laughs> it was a whole lot of ant eh, to me, but to you, it's like, oh my god, greatest comedy. I um, think it's the greatest, but I just I find it. I find it really you find it okay. And it's, there's not much. I, it's not like I can argue with it. And it's like, no, find it funny. It's just like, <laughs> like no, okay, okay, you don't find it funny. Um, I, it's just, it, yeah, doing comedy is like, like to me, like I, I really love Python, Python yeah. and Python is my kind of humor. Well, just a lot just, of people, a lot of people in America don't grasp, uh, Python because of its dryness. Why? Well, I, I like the, the dry humor, the dry British humor, but there's, there's certain things that I know just are just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know this is probably controversial, I, I, I fall asleep to the British office, the original office. Ricky Gervais. Yeah, and even though it has a whole bunch of funny people, it's just, it's too dry for me. It's, it's... Well, I, I want to know what your opinion would be on the show, because uh, I've seen like a, a good two seasons of it, mm-hmm. and I want to know what your opinion is on the thick of it. Well, the movie, um, yeah, I thought was funny. In the loop? Yeah, in the loop. That yeah. was definitely funny. Um, I would probably like it. I don't know if I would love it, but I would definitely, I would definitely I, probably I love like it. it. <laughs> just the way that he's like, uh, uh, Malcolm Tucker is constantly dealing with bullshit is just funny. You just like to see Peter Capaldi lose his shit. <laughs> it, 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 you can't deny it. it's not funny. <laughs> that's, that's the funniest part of it, but. Uh, also, like the stupidity, sheer stupidity of all the politicians around him. Oh yeah, it's very, uh, very reflective, kind of. On a, and it's, it's definitely, uh, it hasn't aged well because, well, I guess you could say it has aged well because of. No, it it hasn't because real life politics is dumber than was. That was that was the issue with um, what was it, the the election the 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 election whatever the Will Ferrell one. Hmm. Was uh, Zach Galifianakis? Their whole thing was like they were trying to push it as far as you can go. The ridiculous nature of it, mm-hmm. but every time they kept pushing it, like they would see real life stories, and they're like, "Oh, that's not funny because something similar in real life happened." I've been to like push that. it further. Like I, the, the furthest they pushed it, and it's like I, I don't honestly I don't think we're that far away from it happening in real life, at least here in America. Is that he um. He re- he released a sex tape of him with the other candidate's wife, and then and then he he went up in the polls. Like that 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 that's very eerily similar sad because to I can see that happening, and it's I, uh, okay. approval numbers go up. <laughs> like, so stupid. Uh, anyway. Going back, uh, Dewey Cox. Kind of got off track, uh, but yeah. Ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> I think that I, I, if you're, I think if you're very much into the the musical biopic, yeah. you'll find a lot to love with it. Like Ray, uh, Love and Mercy, uh, Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Uh, also, the music ain't half bad. Music ain't half bad. Yeah, it's actually some good music. Like uh, "Walk Hard" is, is hard. still hard. Walk hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's still it's still a very humble tune, and I was humming that like for the next three days after I saw the movie. One of them I liked was uh, "Guilty as Charged." Yeah, it's like fine, I'm guilty as charged. 
guilty as charged. <laughs> and then uh, Kristen Wiig, don't you write a song right no, now, no. Dylan Cox? And then he did. <laughs> guilty as charged. And then, yeah, no, I think I think it's it's a lot of fun. So, and a, Kristen Wiig, my God, she like at the time she was like real, she was only known for like. So she was not even like a serious regular in SNL at the time. No, she was very. See, that's what I'm talking about. It, it starts a lot of people who would, like, it's not that they were unknown, but it, it's like they hadn't blown up yet. Yeah, yeah, like Kristen Wiig. She was like, like she was on and off again on SNL. She really didn't become like a serious regular until like 2010, mm-hmm. 2010, and through 2000. And even then, she didn't really blow up until Bridesmaids. Yeah, and then Bridesmaids happened, and all of a sudden, she became like a household name, and then obviously, then she was cast in Ghostbusters and all that stuff. And now she's forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Harambe. Harambe is always forgotten. He's never, because legends never die. Legends never die, man. I, lo- I love that meme of, uh, of uh, the Sandlot. And they, and they, <laughs> <laughs> he answered. You guys can't remember. Volitions <laughs> never. He Harambe's face over Babe Ruth. See, if, if, if Harambe means, like, make you hate humanity, then you probably don't have our sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we dig you a little pro- shit probably, out of Harambe memes. You probably hate our sense of humor <laughs> and who we are as people. And that's okay. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, prime example. A lot of people are like, "Oh my god!" But it's so funny. And the climax of Life of Brian, when they're all uh, crucified and they're having like this whole big old Broadway musical number on it. Okay. That's just amazing. Well, just the fact that we like the producers. Yeah, make it gay, <laughs> make it gay. I, I, I showed, I showed my little brother Springtime for Hitler. That oh, whole really? sequence. <laughs> he was, he was confused as hell. <laughs> like, what is going? on? And I told them this whole musical that the that these two people are doing, doing uh, on uh, Simba, what, what Simba and Timon are doing is like <laughs> is a big tax scam, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Uh, and uh, the producers, great movie. Check that out. Also, uh, <laughs> this is gonna be a whole list at the end of us recommending shit. Uh, yeah. So that was a uh, Dewey Cox walk hard. I, I I loved it. I genuinely loved it. It was good. It was a good movie. Uh, no alcohol required. It's good. <laughs> so. So, yes. Why did you recommend to me, um, I don't know the name. Metallica, I, some kind of monster. Some kind of monster. Which is funny because they talk about, they, they literally do the thing in Dewey Cox because they talk about titles and mm-hmm. they're like, some kind of monster. Oh, I like that. Like, that's literally in the movie. <laughs> and then that's the title. But sometimes songs, songs. Yeah, that's how, that's how it like works. That. Like, know? like, uh, for example, a uh, Billy, Billy Idol. You know who Billy Idol is, right? You know? Yeah. Right, right, yes, right, right. I know who Billy okay. Idol is. Because like a lot of people, a lot of people don't know who Billy Idol is. Okay. But, uh, I doubt that, but. So, uh, he was, uh, Billy Idol was doing a party with, uh, with the Stones, right? And uh, he was having a deep conversation with uh, with Keith Richards, and he says, "Do you want a drink?" And he got out a, a whiskey called Rebel Yell whiskey, and uh, and he uh, he gave it to uh, he gave it to Billy Billy Idol, and he's like, "What's the name of the whiskey?" He's like, "Oh, it's Billy, it's a uh, it's Rebel Yell," and Rebel Yell, Rebel Yell, <laughs> and that's literally what happened. That's literally what happened, and it's not it's not a joke. Some songs do start off like that. It was just it's just funny how all of uh, Dewey Cox's store. Uh, songs every single start, one start off with like oh that one someone thing someone says a line to him yeah somebody says something and he's like oh I'll make uh, dude Hard. look look at my toe fungus and then he's like look at my toe fungus <laughs> um, I had you watch Metallica some kind of monster because I already showed you through the never and mm-hmm. you you get like a glimpse of what Metallica is like as like a band well, that's just um, and, the pure music and, and how, the pageantry and all that. Yeah, and how they perform and what they mm-hmm. do. But uh, it's very interesting to see them like as, like just any band as as, as human people. as people and humans with actual uh, with actual you know thoughts and actual like problems, human problems. Uh, and I definitely wanted to wanted to see what your what your uh, reaction would be 
to seeing them as actual people. And uh, this is this is uh, regarded as one of the best uh, rockumentaries of all time, um, if not the best, uh, because of like how in depth they were, how intimate the 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 relationship was between the direct the filmmakers and the and the band and uh originally uh these directors uh joe Ber- berlinger mm-hmm. and uh bruce uh bruce transky they both came in and they were just supposed to document like the making of the next album mm-hmm. and that was it but they did not con- they did not uh anticipate uh them going further into actually documenting the actual lives of this the whole band drama yeah and all that stuff and this is regarded as like the lowest point of Metallica's career so the lowest point okay. the lowest point yeah because of because of all this stuff and like because a lot of the a lot of the people a lot of the, the band members in Metallica they kept stuff so bottled up like they would like they would go long periods without talking to each other and without resolving issues and everything just like blew up all at once during this period so Peter Martinez what did you think of Metallica some kind of monster I'm just gonna call it some kind of monster so just call it some kind of monster um, I will tell you. Uh, the thing that I found most interesting about the documentary is the juxtaposition of, you know, these this hardened, you know, uh, rockers. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. You know, demon fire. You know, you know very unchristian music. Let's put it that way. And, you know, oh, all hell Satan. <laughs> I do not concur with that. But um, this this hardened, you know, oh, we're badass rockers. And then they're just such little bitches. <laughs> they're, they're just so emotional. And they're like, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And the, just just the holding up one side and then looking at the other side is so fascinating because they're just so emotional. And then they're, they're very little, like little petty things. And it's it's very interesting. And also just the way that they they view their success because um, I don't know all their names because I'm not. Okay, I'm not tell, tell me what position they are in the band and I'll tell you what name they are. The one that you have the lead. Um, I know that one. Lee. Uh, Jam- James Hetfield is the lead is the lead singer. Mm-hmm. Lead singer, front man. Uh-huh. Uh, the drummer is Lars Ulrich. Um, the lead guitarist is uh, Kirk Hammett. There's just three of them. The, the, the just the original three, yeah. Um, the the drummer, that's the one. He's sort of like the not the prodigy, but he's the one who's like the most pushing them musically. Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, well, I, he did start the band. Yeah, and what I do find interesting is that um, one of one of the things that I found really interesting is they go and see another of their band members who left, mm-hmm. um, like because, Dave Mustaine and. He started a new band and he went to go and see them and he and he you could tell just how freaking insecure he was by seeing them. And 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 he was actually pretty honest about it. And he's like, yeah, well, it just feels like such old news, like like we're nothing. You know, they're out there doing making music and we can't even get an album together. And to me, it's it's you could tell their drive and that. This moment. oh when uh, when uh, Lars and Kirk went to go uh, see uh, Echo Brain yes okay and that could, scene yeah Jason yeah, yeah. Newstead and you could tell just how um, how driven they are because this this part my French this motherfucker is part of Metallica the most well known like greatest rock bands of all time mm-hmm. and this is after the height of their career. Like, they've been Metallica for a while. Like, yeah, they've, they've been, been packing the stadiums, like, uh-huh. left to right. They're and, still one of the most well-attended uh, bands to this day. But 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 in that moment, you know, even if it's the low point, they've had, like, even if they dropped off the face of the earth of that, they would still be considered one of the greatest rock bands Absolutely. of all time. And he just lo- feels like a complete loser. And... It's like, how? Like, for me, it's like, how do you feel that? And that just shows just how freaking driven, not just him, but all of them were. And just 
how even, you know, the money, the fame, everything, just your problems don't disappear with that, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, to us, like looking at bands, if you if you make it as a band, yeah. Um, even as a small time, I I look at that. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, you're making it, making music. But to them, they're like, we're nobody because they're they see all these other bands that are bigger than them. But then they get bigger, and still they feel like nobody because it's like, oh, you know, it's never. You never feel satisfied, really, mm-hmm. and you never feel good enough, and. For a lot of, but these, that's a true artist. Yeah, <laughs> not to sound so cliched, but yeah, that that really is. That's that's the way a lot of these driven people are. You know, never being able to be. How, how do you get that success successful? Mm-hmm. Never being happy with what you're doing. Always feeling like oh, we can make it better. 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 Mm-hmm. But just to see that, you know, just one of the most talented motherfuckers um, when it comes to music on the earth and he's just so insecure you know just at, at this little concert it's not even it wasn't even a huge concert it was like at a club somewhere yeah it was like at a club and he's just me, freaking Metallica to me it's like if you're a stand up comic and um, you know you're, you're kind of on the up and up but you're not big and someone like, I don't know, Jerry Seinfeld or Dave Chappelle comes and sees you and they're like, I'm nothing. I'm shit. Look at this guy. And it's like, I need to do more, do work harder. And it's like, I walk that's hard. Thing, you know, walk hard. <laughs> walk hard. 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 Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really interesting. And it's, it's interesting to see the, the inner, the mindset and the thinking that goes into um fantastic music and then also just so you're saying metallica is fantastic music yeah i've always felt that i've always liked metallica i'm just not someone who's like i don't know the um all their songs and i don't know all the bandmates names and stuff like that you just know that the music is it's like i just i listen to the music oh i really i like that music i know i'm not a band guy i'm like an individual song guy Oh, mm-hmm. I love one. I love, you know, mm-hmm. the one that everyone knows, like Enter Sandman and stuff. Enter Sandman, like Master Puppets. Whatever. Yeah. But I'm not like a, a music nerd or a music junkie that just really gets into yeah, it. Yeah, like, like, I'm like, like I'm a, someone else here. I, I am like that with, uh, with, uh, with Metallica. Like a lot of bands, I'm like okay, I, I like I like some of their music mm-hmm. and I know their I know the names and all that stuff, but like not I like no other band I view like more passionately than I do with Metallica. I'm 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 that way with like the lamest shit, with like Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking like music. I'm like like like. I like talking politics, so I can name you some politicians. That's lame as shit, you know. Um, movies aren't lame, but I'm like Kushner. That with he is not. <laughs> he's not. He's no Jared Kushner. <laughs> um, but no, but also the the lead um, lead singer James Hetfield. James Hetfield, and just like you just and it is he he is going through some shit and i think it was alcohol right where he had to um for rehab rehab but also just like just a little petty shit and it's just how insecure all of them are and how they like i don't know if it's stardom or it's just you need that sort of mindset to be Mm -hmm. successful but when when they said like um, they recommended he can only play like four hours a day. And he's like, I don't want literally doing a single thing without me. Like the second that I go home, everyone needs to go home. You know, you, yeah. you can't even stay past and just listen to some of the music. And like that, and then, that's a and whole then issue. Lar- Lars went, went against that and, yeah. and listened to some of the, some of the takes and uh, James got word of that and was very, a uh, little background for you to put a little bit more, perspective on that um what happened was is that his dad uh james hetfield his dad was never in the picture Mm -hmm. um he was pretty much raised by his older brother um his mom was like a super christian freak um and uh and when uh she got she got cancer 
his mom got cancer and she didn't accept treatment or anything like that. She just thought, oh, God will solve all my problems. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, abandonment is a huge thing for James Hetfield. And Mm -hmm. when uh, Jason left the band, he felt a huge void of like abandonment. And but what's great with them, too, is that they're honest. Like with what they're they're it's not like they try to cover up like say like nah I'm not no nah, I'm I'm tough I'm cool I think that's what I found so funny because some mad bands be like no nah, man this shit's dumb like oh, I'm tough mm-hmm. I'm like whatever I'm a rocker but they're like no you know the way I felt I felt really jealous you know like they're they're very open <laughs> like, that way because because even says let like, me tell I, you Margaret <laughs> like, tell you over tea <laughs> yeah because. He, he, he he admits like I felt like real jealous and I was afraid of losing him because he had his his other band um, what was it called uh, the one who left oh Jason Newstead uh-huh. uh, Echo Brain Echo Brain and he admits like I was afraid of like people losing and I didn't want he literally said I just didn't want him enjoying that band more than this band and it's like that. That, that just huge insecurity, but just mm-hmm. also you could tell like like what you're saying makes sense. Just this fear of, you know, not being good enough. So then they leave, and you know, you know, he wants. Why isn't Metallica good enough for you? Like we're the best band ever. You know, something must be wrong. We need to step up our game. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's just interesting. You know, seeing very talented people, and they all seem like real cool, awesome, pe- like nice people, but they just have like these insecurities, insecurities and flaws. And um, who's the bass player? The the third one. The new one. Uh, was he the new one? Because there's three. Okay, no, there's there's, okay. So it started off with Cliff Burton. Mm-hmm. Then it went to Jason Newstead. Um, Bob Rock, the producer, filled in for uh, Saint Anger. But then uh, during Saint Anger, they were auditioning bass players, and they got uh, Robert Trujillo. Maybe so this is Robert Trujillo's on the type. There's three dudes. Yeah, the so the main ones are uh, Cliff, uh, Jason, and Rob. I think Rob's the one I'm thinking about. With the long, he's, with the long hair, yeah, right? He's the chill one. He's yeah. like, come on, guys, we can just oh, all get along. That's not. That's not the. Um, he didn't come until like the last. Uh, until like seventy five percent into the, into oh, the documentary. Really? Oh, You're okay. thinking of Kirk Hammett. Maybe the that's gu- what I'm the guitar about. player. Okay. Maybe. The lead guitar player, yeah, he Kirk Hammett, yeah, like there was like this one sequence, uh, one moment in the in the documentary where uh, where uh, where uh, Jason or uh, James and Lars were going at it, mm-hmm. and you uh, like you know I told you I've been fucking uh, angry and you've been picking on me all night, and yeah, then, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, Kirk Hammett was in the corner, he was like, come on guys, yeah. you know we should. Do- we should hammer on the riffs instead of hammering on each other. It's about the music, <laughs> man. <laughs> and all of them are like, I said my soy's latte. I wanted no soy. <laughs> They're all like with that shit. Um, no, but it's, it is interesting because you can tell both of them are like the most um, emotional when it comes to the band. And then he's there just trying to like... Come on, guys! The music. Let's just let's just let's just put out our anger out in the studio. Yeah, you let's know. just ham it out. Let's just yeah. And but I also thought it was really interesting the process through which they they write the music. So all of them just sort of write their own shit, and then they'll, they'll have a meeting, and then they'll bring, you know, what they what they feel and mm-hmm. and what they're writing, um, and they they use what they use. You and know, it, they all talk it out and be like, okay, that's that's good, that that's shit, you know, maybe we can work on this. Mm-hmm. Because it is, I did always, it's always interesting, that's something that I've always personally thought about for these bands, these musicians that make their own music. Is it like one guy that writes the lyrics yeah. and then the other that everyone else just sort of makes the music mm-hmm. together? But no, it's like they're all discussing the lyrics together most of the case most of the case this is how it how it works with uh, with metallica just to give you some uh, context mm-hmm. james is always the lyric guy mm-hmm. he's always writing the lyrics and he knows he really writes these you know deep uh deep uh deep cuts you know and that's really that's really his strength and and he would he would do the riffs too he would do like the the um the dun 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 just the little parts in the in the song um lars 
is the best arranger and he's he's great at composing the music like putting it structurally together like instead of like one he said okay do the three times and then that would compose uh, a better better flowing melody and that would be uh, that would be Lars's uh, thing uh, Kirk he's just like hey I, I I came up with this cool riff. Let's make a song about it, guys. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, and then uh, once in a while, uh, Robert Thurio would come up with like the, this sweet lick. They were like this. Okay, let's follow that thing. Um, and that was pretty. That would be pretty much like the entire just. And and that was with all the other bassists and members too. That they would come together and like uh, it was just like it's kind of like this podcast bringing something to the table. To the table. Um. <laughs> But no, I did. I thought that was very interesting. And also just how like, even just doing that, they felt a little like, oh man, like I'm not, I'm not on, I'm not doing good. And then that would just get them real riled up. Like I can't write anything good. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just, it takes, you could tell it takes a lot just to be able to ham out the music that they're hamming out. And then also on top of the fact that they got, you know, personal issues and and also personal lives. And all of them have, I think, kids. Yeah. Um, at the time, Kirk didn't have any kids. Oh, okay. At the time. But uh, definitely Lars and James had kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how, like, they're, like, super nice to the kids, too. Like, oh. No, but that, that's all. That they, they, you can tell they're all super nice guys, pretty mm-hmm. much. And it is funny. They're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, come in, sweetie. You know, the kids yeah. come in. It's like, daddy. It's yes, like, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how, like, uh, like one of his kids, uh, I think it was like uh, Skylar or something like that, mm-hmm. came in. And he was like, I'm going to do the drums. And then he was, like, drumming. And he, <laughs> and then uh, I think, like, one of them made a, co- a comment like, oh, that's going, definitely going on the next record. <laughs> <laughs> that's going on the next record. <laughs> Um, I just like, you know, the family aspect, too, and how he... Well, you can definitely tell how they change, I'm sure, over time. I'm sure at one point they were those, like, young rockers, like, hell yeah. But yeah. now it's like, oh, I got a family. Um, I need to be home by four, so yeah. let's wrap it up. <laughs> let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, I gotta make dinner. I gotta make dinner for kids. Mm-hmm. Got um, a birthday party to be at. Got a birthday party to do <laughs> We're ordering the um, the bouncy house. Yeah, it's, coming, a, it's coming by by... By 4.30, so I need to be out of here by 4 to be able to get home in time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's that kind of shit. Um, but it's it's interesting, and I, I do think it's a, it's a good documentary. Um, even if you don't know the band or like the band, just they're very, they are definitely interesting people. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the creative process, you know, quote-unquote creative process. Well, it was great. I like how like they they had like a bunch of names for the um, for the next album. One of them was Satanic Cuckoo Clock. It's <laughs> a terrible name. That's so bad. It is bad, but it's just funny. But that's the process. You got to go through some stinkers. Uh, yeah, know? Satanic Cuckoo Clock. Imagine Metallica's new album, Satanic Cuckoo Clock. <laughs> uh, but then, but then, of course, they had the movie Monster. Some kind of monster. Huh. I like that. Hmm. Some kind of monster. Let's <laughs> write that down. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, if you like this, mm-hmm. then maybe you'll like the upcoming. Uh, no. <laughs> maybe maybe you'll like the upcoming movie that uh, Joe Joe Berlinger is doing. Uh, 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 he can't do a movie with Bruce, mm-hmm. uh, the other guy who directed the movie with him, uh, because unfortunately in 2014 he, he died. Passed? He passed oh, away. Yeah. So uh, I think it was like. Corn, cornea failure or something like that. Um, what? Something. I don't that's know. That's weird. Okay. Um, so there's a movie that's going to come out with uh, with uh, Joe Bollinger, and it's a movie that uh, with, uh, with Zac Efron. And it's the... <laughs> yeah, it's a huge stretch. It's a huge stretch. But uh, it's about, like, serial killer uh, Ted Bundy coming out. Oh, he's... I've heard about this. Okay. Yeah. And, and so he's he's the same director. He's directing that. Yeah, he's directing it, and uh, and uh, Zac Efron is playing Ted Bundy, and uh, James Hetfield has a role in the movie. Really? Yeah, as the as the cop who finally gets him. Because I mean, if you're a good director, you're a good director. But documentaries are very different. Than, yeah, like, regular film. So it'd be interesting. I don't know if you know if he's made anything else. 
Like he's made documentaries. Like, yeah, he's made. But has he made like a a standard film? I have not seen any of the other standing uh, things. Like he did non documentary. He did one. I don't know what the title is, but it's like uh, it's like Juvenile Hall. He did the documentary mm. on Juvenile Hall, and there the. Metallica was the soundtrack to the whole thing to to deal with like what the what the kids were feeling, um, especially one song called the Welcome Home Sanitarium, where it's like you know Welcome to my personal hell kind of thing. That's yeah. the that's the main song that they use throughout the whole thing. And uh, Welcome to my Satan cuckoo clock. Welcome to my Satanic cuckoo clock. <laughs> satanic cuckoo clock. <laughs> uh, final thoughts I, I definitely liked it I, I definitely thought it was interesting um, uh, yeah to me just seeing people play music and it's like it's like I don't even really care about going to concerts like that's I like music but it's not something that um, I, I, I in all honesty I probably like music less than most people um, just in the sense that a lot of people like going to concerts, they have their favorite mm-hmm. bands, and it's like, eh, I really like music and I'll listen to it, but I'm, I don't even, I don't even care to do that. You, you know? want to go out of your way to go see them live? No, no. Um, but just, I, again, more of a movie guy, the characters of the people, you know, one of these the days, I'll, one of these days I'll take you to see Metallica. Oh God. <laughs> It'll be awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll be involved in a couple of mosh pits here and there. get mugged. <laughs> give a black eye. It's terrible. Um, I, one of my, it was so like in your face when I, I love when Lars was like, fuck, that's the only word that's coming out of my head right now. Fuck. And he just went it up into James's face and he said, fuck. And I it was like. Okay. <laughs> They're so emotional, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, I guess that makes kind, sense because music is an outlet for that. So it's it like... It kind of reminds me of uh, huh. of me and another person. Oh, wow. I went... One... David? No. <laughs> One Mr. Alexis Soto and the... And the interact the tet on tet. Check us out on podcast.com and itunes.com. Uh, and then check out uh, check out our uh, Disney podcast called Fantasy Fair. And uh, that too is also on podcast.com and uh, and uh, itunes.com. And if you want to find our uh, bright and shining faces, you can go check out YouTube where we uh, do vlogs on a movie we just saw in theaters and sweat it out vlogs. in the and, vlogs. and sweat and sweat it out in the in a in a car and talk about it with the with the camera. So yeah, uh, yeah. So check that out, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Kyle Lira. With me is uh, the ever ever present uh, Peter Martinez. Yeah, stand in the spotlight. Bye.